Zion Williamson doesn't close the past two games for the Pelicans. Is this concerning or is there a reasonable explanation? Plus, what did we learn about the Pels and their win over the Warriors and their overtime loss to the Hawks? It's Monday's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here you are on Monday's episode of Locked On Pelicans, recapping the weekend. What did we learn? Because there are some lessons we learned from the Pelicans' win over the Warriors and the loss to the Hawks, and some lessons the Pelicans need to apply immediately. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Tell a friend about the show, leave a five-star review with a comment, and of course, comment down below on YouTube, the number one way you can support Locked On Pels here. We're free Monday through Friday. No one else coming to you like this, breaking down everything you want to know about the team. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Go to prizepicks.com and first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com promo code locked on. So let's get into it because these two games were interesting. In no small part because Zion didn't close in either of them. In the overtime loss to the Atlanta Hawks and in the fourth quarter win over the Golden State Warriors. We'll get into those parts of it in a second here. So the Warriors game was interesting because I walked in with Antonio Daniels to the arena early. And as I was talking with him going on in, by the way, I think he's going to come on the show soon. He, he was saying that this Pelicans team can't take this as a guaranteed W. Yeah, there was no Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, really, you know, the, the name players that you know on that roster. But it meant guys like, you know, Poole is going to go out and try and score, and he's a great scorer off the bench, big-time money guy all of a sudden now. You also have a guy like Jonathan Kaminga, one of their first-round picks from just two years ago, who hasn't been getting very many minutes and wants to come out and prove himself, so he was going to come out and try and score. Same thing for a guy like Moses Moody. You also have James Wiseman, a former top pick as well, in there that wants to get out and score and prove that he belongs because he's having a little bit of a tough time. And I'm pulling up all the stats on my phone because my internet, of course, is out for over 24 hours because it rained here in New Orleans. Kaminga with 18 points, Moody with 14, Poole with 20 in the starting role, you also have guys like Ty Jerome with 18. These unproven guys wanting to come in and go, okay, it's our time to shine. You know, Jonathan Kaminga is like, my time is now. And wants to go out and score and prove that he should get minutes. This wasn't going to be an easy game. But it helped that Brandon Ingram returned for New Orleans. And he looked good in returning to action. Usually it takes him a couple of games after an injury to really kind of get into a rhythm and to score and be the Brandon Ingram we know and love. But he played exceptionally well in this one. Finished with 26 points on the night, five assists, five rebounds. He was dishing the ball. He was getting to the free throw line and scoring that way too. It was just a balanced all-around performance from him. It didn't look like he had really missed much time at all for the Pelicans. But this game was 
close in the third and the fourth quarter. And you saw it at times start to slip away from New Orleans. But what they did was, in the words of Larry Nance Jr., flipped on a switch. They took a big punch to the face, basically, from the Golden State Warriors and said, okay, we need to turn this around and we need to win this game. And it was really that spark provided by Larry Nance Jr. and Jose Alvarado. Larry Nance Jr., by the way, 20 points on the night, seven dunks, seven dunks. That is an insanely good number. And he really delivered. So it's nice to see that this team is able to rise to the occasion and go, okay, we need to up our game after kind of slogging through the first half where they didn't look particularly amazing throughout it. CJ still had 20. That was good. You saw Trey Murphy hitting shots down the stretch, which was needed. Herb provided good defense and Zion had 16 points on 11 shots and looked just a little bit out of sorts throughout the entirety of this game. And then with about Three and a half or so minutes left in the fourth of a close game. He subs out and doesn't go back in. A trainer goes and looks at him off the bench, but they leave him alone and he just stays there. And it was a weird, it was a weird situation. As this team's starting to deliver and get this win, he's not out there on the court. So, first and foremost, it does sound like the only reason he was out of the game was just due to dehydration and potentially cramps. And this is a theme that came up and happened again in the Hawks game when he didn't play for the final minute and a half of overtime. Seems like he's still maybe just working his way into shape after 17 plus months of not playing competitive basketball. The season starts to drag on you. It can be long. So I don't think this is a real big cause for concern. I do not think that this was Willie Green benching him down the stretch. Now, his defense in this game was flat out awful. He was bad defensively. He was out on the perimeter. You could see the Warriors hunting for him, and he was getting beat. And when his man drove by him and got to the basket, it forced another defender to rotate over to cover for Zion, getting beaten like that, which meant that as that guy was met at the rim by a help defender, they kicked it out to one of the corners, for an open Golden State three-point attempt for them to try and nail those. And they shot, made 12 threes in this one shot, not an amazing percent, but it was those threes down the stretch, you know, 37.5% for the Warriors is not a great number, is something that really hurt New Orleans and kept the Warriors in this one. Those defensive, they're not even lapses, they're just getting beat. It wasn't a true mistake or anything like that. It was just your man beat you and it forced you into kind of a scramble, chaotic defense of rotating over and eventually they're going to find an open guy. That's what happened and that had to do with Zion getting beat at the point of attack. His defense was bad. He also had some rough body language in this one and I'm not a big fan of reading too much into that, but you could see he was just kind of out of sorts and a little frustrated with what they were how they were using him offensively. And I want to get into more of that in the third segment, because that is definitely something that needs to change. He seemed a little bit frustrated that maybe he wasn't getting the ball enough to be able to go and do his thing. So whatever reason they bench, he doesn't play anymore. And it works. Trey Murphy coming in, being able to make threes, including a dagger for the win, more or less, that really sealed it for New Orleans, spaced the court well for Larry Nance Jr. and allowed him to work. Having more three-point shooting, let Jose out there be more of a threat and be able to score himself. And he was great in this game. Both Larry Nance Jr. and Jose being a big spark plug off the bench for this team. It's nice when you have options that if you're Best player, second best player in Zion is on the pine during a crunch time situation that you can still get the victory with other guys stepping up. That is a positive, a very big positive for New Orleans. Didn't happen so much 
against the Atlanta Hawks in overtime. And I want to look at that game coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. There were similarities to this game, but also big differences too. And then another crunch time game for the Pelicans, which is becoming a theme. So we'll look at that and then kind of how they fix some of the things to avoid these situations and just win running away in the third segment of today's show. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Prize Picks. Tonight, I'm taking Luka Doncic to score more than 26 and a half points, LeBron James to have more than seven and a half rebounds, Kevin Durant to have less than six and a half assists, and Steph Curry to have more than three and a half three-pointers made. I love Prize Picks because it's super easy. It's daily fantasy in the simplest form possible. You pick two to five players, and if they go score more or less than their prize pick projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. It's that easy. And the best part is you're not competing against other people who do this for a living. You just look at the prize picks projection, you go more than that or less than that. It's that easy, and they offer it on basically any sport that you can think of. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and they offer safe and fast withdrawals. And they're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, prize picks is going to give you $100. You put in $50. They're going to give you 50. Don't forget, enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, getting you set for everything Pelicans like no one else is. Comment down below on YouTube if you want to support the show. You can simply just say, like, hi, Jake. I might even say hi back or let me know your thoughts on these two games or what you think the Pelicans need to fix to try and avoid these crunch time situations and just simply beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. So now for your second listen, go check out Locked On Saints, Monday night football game here in the Big Easy in the Superdome, taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Ross Jackson going to break it all down, have everything you need to know for the Saints big matchup tonight. Can they kind of get their season back on track? All right, so the Pelicans had another game, second night of a back-to-back, and you could see they looked a little bit tired in this one, playing the Atlanta Hawks on the road basically less than 24 hours after their game against the Golden State Warriors. They lose in overtime 124-121. This was an interesting one, and there were similarities to the Golden State game too, where they just looked kind of out of sorts for the first half, uninterested in playing, making just easy mistakes, you know, stagnant offense. And some of that, some of that, only some of that can be explained by the quick turnaround. But this is what you have to do in the NBA. These are the type of games that you play. Brandon Ingram definitely seemed affected by this one. 16 points on 23 shots. He was 7 to 23, 30% from the field. That's not a great number. And if he's not going to be able to go out and score like that, you know this team could have a tough go of it but they started to get things going in the third quarter you saw CJ McCollum start to heat up he finished with 29 points on the night his three-point shot was falling in this one finally four of nine from there he was dishing out um, or grabbing rebounds too in a way that he hasn't really before this whole team was really going after like gang rebounds team rebounds and then you had Zion Williamson really turn it on in the fourth quarter and become like the Zion we want to see, where he just took over the game. You know he's going to go to the left side, but you're not going to be able to stop it, and that's what's kind of the brilliance of him and why he's so good at it, that even when they do that, it doesn't matter. He needs to tighten up his handle a little bit. He had seven turnovers in this game, but as he 
started to get going, you really see, saw the turnaround in this team. They were down 13, 12, 11, I forget. It was double digits late in the fourth quarter. And then this team turned it back on again. As Larry Nance Jr. said after the Warriors game, we flipped a switch, right? The switch went on and they fought and they scored and they went on. I think it was a 19 to four run, something like that. Again, I don't have the stats in front of me today, unfortunately, that got them that victory or got it to go to overtime. And it basically took, uh, was it was Trey, uh, Trey Young hitting just this insane kind of turnaround two-pointer that tied the game up for the Hawks. New Orleans had a chance to win it. They tried to run a play for Zion. They tried to really feed the hot hand, but you saw the Hawks take it away. You had to settle, which is not really settling. Your second option there is a Brandon Ingram mid-range jumper that he just had a little bit too much on and missed the shot. But that's a good look. I have no problem with the final play from this team. They go to overtime. And they look out of sorts and they lose. And of course, Zion subs out again with about a minute and a half to go. They're saying it was cramps this time. And after the way he played in the fourth quarter of this game, it's probably what it was. You know, I don't think there's any ulterior motive going on with Willie Green taking Zion out in crunch time. I hope this is something that fixes itself as the season goes on and he gets in playing shape, let's say. And very clearly he's missing something right now with that if he's cramping and unable to really play. So they lose in overtime and it's disappointing because they really had a chance to win. The refs didn't do New Orleans any favors in this one. And there was a moment there where you you kind of have this feeling. I'm struggling to try and say it here. And again, I apologize. I'm like thrown off today without my stats and my normal setup. I'm recording this with no internet and like uploading it after this from a coffee shop. That over the course of a game, look at the Lakers game too with this. You know, over the course of the game, these small little things add up. And sometimes one play, you know, in the second quarter to have an impact on this. And when you have like multiple moments like that over the course of the game, it might cost you in the end. People want to blame Dyson Daniels for the two missed free throws, sure. But you also failed to get a defensive board that allowed the Lakers to get some second chance points. You did that all night. You know, Zion had seven turnovers in this one. In overtime, he took a three-point shot that was frankly not a good attempt and look for him. I know a lot of people want to see him shoot threes, but there's a time and place for it. In an overtime game, when you're a 32.5% three-point shooter for your career, it's not there. It's not that look whatsoever you saw Atlanta dare him to shoot that and he did it and he missed and Atlanta was probably like heck yeah that played right into our hands time and place for that stuff those little things add up for New Orleans questionable rotations maybe giving too many minutes to a guy like Devontae Graham who's only in there at the end really to just nail a three because you needed a shooter and I don't fault them for that and you saw Zion out of there too so this game you know it's nice that they competed it's nice that, you know, four of their three lo- or three of their four losses are in overtime. So really little things are going to be able to fix that and change their fortunes. And they could, in theory, be looking at eight and one right now. They're better than they were a year ago, too, which I think is an important thing to keep in mind to to an extent, because you're not competing with this team from a year ago. And this loss still stings because it was a very winnable game. And at a certain point, you've got to learn how to win those winnable games. And that's something that New Orleans is not really coming through with just yet. And so that's what I want to look at 
in the next segment here. You know, what are some changes the team needs to do to avoid these overtime losses? It's going to center around how you use Zion, the minutes that you give people in the rotations. I really want to dive into that as well. And then some of the defensive things that they're doing as well. So that's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team like no one else is completely free. Comment down below on YouTube if you want to support the show. It's the easiest thing you can do. Say hi. Tell me what you want to see the Pelicans fix out there on the court to get some of these overtime losses, maybe into overtime wins. And now for your second listen, go check out Locked On Sports today. Your one-stop shop for catching up on the biggest stories around all sports. Did you miss some of the biggest games in the NBA? College football, maybe. Tulane, by the way, looking great. Uh, or the NFL. Some guy named Mixon had a huge game I saw. I'm going to listen to Locked On Sports today, catch up on all of it because there was so much going on. That's the best place to do it. Also, Take of the Day is just a lot of fun on there. But go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So the Pelicans have four losses. Three of them have been in overtime, meaning if you give them at a single point, at any moment in time in those three games, they win and they're 8-1, with their one loss being when they basically had no one able to play against the Phoenix Suns. This team is better than what their record indicates, but at the same time, they're also making some mistakes that are causing these losses. So the record, frankly, is probably indicative of where they stand as a basketball team right now. So what do they need to do to avoid some of this and to fix things and win these winnable games, which is not what they're doing right now. So first and foremost, it's more practice reps. You can really see a clear chemistry issues with integrating Zion back, especially with the addition of CJ McCollum, who wasn't here the last time that he played. He and Brandon Ingram are fine. He, Brandon Ingram and CJ may be a little bit different. You know, they need to be more intentional about getting him the ball and touches. He stands in the quarter quarter, corner, way too much, way too much. And this is a coaching thing. It's not necessarily him being lazy and just not wanting to move. They, they use Jackson Hayes this way too. as kind of that corner anchor, but they're not shooters. They're not shooters. So putting them there just kind of is a waste of a player. And you see teams not defending him there. If he starts cutting from those spots more, yes, and you see him do it at times, but they're usually intentional play calls to get Zion moving out of the corner to get him the ball on the move and to be able to score at the rim. This offense right now doesn't have a ton of like looseness to it where you just go out and play and kind of make plays. You're seeing a lot of specific calls from Willie Green using his style of .5 of here's first, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever the options it might be. Under Alvin Gentry, it was kind of like, go out and play. Stan Van Gundy was kind of in the middle of all of that, but right now Willie Green has a lot of control of the offense. And I don't think it's wrong when you're you know, still trying to integrate everyone and kind of instill some of your principles with new players that are playing big minutes, mainly in Zion Williamson. But you got to get him more touches just because of the court gravity. You have to. You see it. Sometimes he cuts and it mucks up the spacing because it draws so much attention and someone else is trying to do something, and now that can't really happen. But finding a way to use him off ball more that is not just simply parking him in the corner is definitely needed. Even if it's him getting the ball and then moving to the corner, I think that's going to be an important thing because the defense pays so much attention to him when he's on the inside 
of the three-point line, that this is a way to create easier looks for others. They're definitely not doing that enough. And maybe, maybe, and I don't know for sure, based on what we saw in the Warriors game, that's leading to some frustration from him. Or when he does get the ball, he's going to try and force a shot a little bit more so than he needs to because, well, it might not be coming back to him for a while. So being intentional about how they use him and building that chemistry to make everyone kind of get on the same page. I think this is just one of those things that takes a little bit of time and I expect to get significantly better as the season goes on. What about the minutes? I've seen a lot made about we hate Willie Green's rotations and things like that. So I don't because when you looked at these past two games, they're really running a 10 man rotation, which is about right. You don't run eight guys during the regular season. You'd ideally like your rotation to be nine to 10 guys, but it's still early on in the season. So do you need to cut it down to nine guys just yet, put more wear and tear on their bodies, more minutes on them, potentially leading to things like dehydration and cramps in games? I'm not sure that you do. So I understand why Willie Green is hesitant to do that. And in fact, sometimes you see an 11th guy come in just in the first half to play about four to five minutes. It was Jackson. It was Dyson Daniels against the Hawks. We've seen it with Jackson Hayes before where he's just out there getting a few minutes to give a guy a little bit of an extra rest. So they're playing a 10-man rotation. You can't really cut it down in the way that a lot of people are saying. Usually you've got to play guys in minimum 15 minutes is what NBA coaches usually do. Not always the case, and it depends on the game. You want to get a guy a seven-minute run in the first half, a seven-minute run in the second half, because below that, they don't really get into the flow and the rhythm. They're going to be upset. And it's why you don't really see guys play like three minutes or, or eight minutes or 12 minutes. It's usually 15 or no minutes. So in this game, in both these games, they played Devontae Graham 10. And I, I, he's not going to be happy with that. And you'd like to see those minutes go to Jose Alvarado or even to Dyson Daniels, I, th- I think. But if they're not ready to cut Devontae Graham from the rotation, I don't know if, if you can reduce his minutes anymore. It's not like you can give him a five-minute cameo. So it's either cut him out of it entirely, which I think would be fine to do because if he's not hitting three-point shots, and I mean multiple plural three-point shots, I don't really know what he's giving you, but then you're going down to nine guys. You can bump up a guy like Jose Alvarado and he's definitely more impactful. And the Devontae Graham minutes have been bad, especially when he's paired with CJ McCollum. It's just not defensive enough, but I I don't know. I don't hate what he's doing. I, I, yeah, I'd like the Devontae Graham minutes cut down, but I also don't mind that if they want to stick with a 10 man rotation, the only really other thing would be give all of Devontae's minutes to Dyson Daniels, but clearly the rookies in the doghouse a little bit after missing those two free throws against the Los Angeles Lakers. So kind of keeping being realistic with it, those are probably the moves to make. I just don't really know if those are going to realistically happen, but I would hope as the season goes on, they eventually kind of go to a nine man rotation because that end of bench starts to get a little bit thin for New Orleans. The top couple of guys off the bench feel very good about and Jose has been so unbelievably impactful and his shooting, his three point shooting, he's shooting over 40% from the season so far is going to basically mean he's going to get Devontae Graham's minutes. At this point, I definitely think you, you can say that that's how it should be. But there's not a ton more minutes to give him if you want to run a 10-man rotation. So there's a trade-off to doing that of taxing your guys more. But 
Maybe that's what you need to do, especially in some of these close games to make sure you're getting wins. But it is also, you know, the seventh, the eighth game of the regular season, what are the ninth game, whatever it is right now, of the regular season. So yeah, nine, they're five and four. So I feel that it's okay right now. If we're game 40 having the same discussion, that's a problem. That's why I'm not panicking about what I see. That's not why I'm not getting up in arms over a loss to the Atlanta Hawks like we saw. As the season goes on, the stakes become higher. And yeah, this is something that you need to work out and fix by then. And hopefully they will do it. And that's going to really be the true test of Willie Green as a head coach, I think, this year. So let me know what changes you want to see the Pelicans make to the rotation, to their offense, to the defense as well. Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all so much for listening. It is a game day. I neglected to mention that. Taking on the Indiana Pacers should be a fun one. Hopefully going to be a win for New Orleans. And of course, I'll be back to recap that one tomorrow for y'all and get you set for the rest of the week because the Pelicans have another back-to-back coming up very soon. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll see you all then.